when I was younger, I remember a, a sign on my sister's door uh, that said Savior. Uh, when I was growing up and I was kind of in my late teens, early 20s, I remember that my sisters played the pretty big impact on my faith. I, uh, I grew up in a Christian home and I believed in God, but I didn't always necessarily live my life that way. And it's something you may, you may have heard from other believers in the past before, and I, I, count, I, was, I was definitely one of those people. Um, but my sisters lived like, their lives a little bit differently, and, and through their lives I could see how they were following Christ faithfully. Um, they were living lives that were worthy of the gospel of, to which they had been called to. <clears throat> and uh, I remember one night after I came home um, from, uh, from partying with some friends, I had too much to drink, and I, I, tried, I didn't want to let my, my family know about it, and so my sister who was in the living room, I, I tried to kind of play it cool so that she wouldn't know. But she kind of figured it out anyways, and she first and and I was a little bit worried that she was going to uh, kind of start talking to me about the Bible and 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 judging me for what I had been doing. But she she responded differently. Um, she first of all she looked concerned for me. Um, she had never seen me like that before that I know of, and um, yeah, she was just genuine. There was genuine concern there. And then after that, she was after she asked me if I was okay. She asked me if she could make me some food, and I, to which I said yes. And she, so she made it for me, and uh, and that was kind of that was kind of what happened. Um, later on, a couple of days later, as I continued to think about what had been what had happened in that exchange, I just recognized a total difference in the way that we were living our lives. Um, I was living a life that was kind of whatever I wanted to do was okay, um, and my sister was living this life that exemplified the work of, of Christ and like. It was apparent in the way that she lived her life, and even in how, the gentle way that she responded to me uh, coming home in in a way that uh, she could have responded differently, and she could have she could have um, made me feel awful about it, but she didn't do that. And that so she she responded to me with love and caring kindness, and I I was struck by it. Me as the older brother, I'm the one who's supposed to be setting the example, and here are my is my younger sister setting the example for me, and I was. I was embarrassed and I was ashamed of myself and the way that I had been living my life. And it's one of the moments that I remember that God really used in, in, in shifting my perspective of who he was and, how, and, the, and the kind of life that I was supposed to live for him. Um, something that I'll always remember. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. My sister, as I just told you, was living this life that was worthy uh, of the gospel to which she received. And today we're going to be talking about what it um, we're going to be talking about what it's like to live, to find joy in worthy living towards Christ. So if you've uh, watched the last couple of uh, videos, you'll know that we're in a current series on joy in the book of Philippians. Now, Philippians is a letter, uh, and it's written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And Paul is known for his many missionary journeys in which he started a bunch of different churches, and his letters to those churches uh, often either encouraging them or uh, correcting them. And this letter is a part of a series of letters that Paul wrote from while in prison. Um, and though he's in prison, uh, this letter is, is contains heavy themes of joy. Like, though he's in prison and things should be bad for him, he's writing and he's, he's joyful. And he's writing the Philippian church to let them know that through his hardships, that the gospel is, be, is continuing to, to spread. And he uses his present circumstances to show them and to encourage the church to live worthy, li worthy lives of the gospel, despite their current hardships as well. So the passage that we're going to be reading from today 
is in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. So this is from the, from the NIV version, and this is how it goes. <clears throat> Philippians 1, 27 to 30. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you um, for your word. Lord, we thank you for the Apostle Paul and the encouragement that he wrote to the, to the Philippian church, and that how through his hardships, uh, in continuing to live a life that was worthy to you, um, the church was able to grow, and that he exalted you and he, he gave glory to you through that. Lord, as we go through this, this passage, would you help us to, to understand what it's like to live a life that is worthy uh, of you and the sacrifice that you made for us. Lord, we thank you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so this is Paul's letters to the, to the Philippians, and we're going to break down uh, what we just read verse by verse and kind of go through it a little bit more. Uh, so before we do that, Paul encourages the Philippian church to live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus. And in order to, to go into that a bit more deeper and to, to figure out what, how to live that kind of a life, we kind of have to talk about what the gospel is. And so the gospel, <clears throat> simply defined, is good news. And the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, is the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul was all about. He was all about spreading this news, this good news of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> this gospel was all about peace, the peace that, came, that, that was brought between God and man. See, in the beginning of the Bible, uh, or if, I guess if we, were, if we really want to go through the whole gospel, you need to read the entire Bible. Um, the, the Bible is, is basically a testament of, of what was to come and what was to happen through the person of Jesus. And we read in the beginning that, in the, that God created everything. Mankind, the earth, the planets, the stars, everything. And that shortly after this creation, mankind was disobedient to God and sinned against him. Since then, all of mankind has been subject to sin. We've all continued in our disobedience towards God. We've all worshipped the things of the world or we are ourselves. We claim to be righteous ourselves and we turn away from God and we, and we try to do things on our own. We become enemies of God and ultimately we are worthy of his judgment. But God in his mercy sent his son Jesus Christ to earth to pay for the penalty of sin so that we wouldn't have to experience the judgment that was coming, um, the judgment for the sin that we had committed against God. And if we recognize the sin in our own lives and we come to God uh, and, and recognize the, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on our behalf, um, we know that we can be forgiven for that and that ultimately we can be secured in Him. And so this news of, of, of reconciliation between man and God, this is what Paul was all about. Uh, that, that the message of Jesus Christ, that, that by, from, by one man, um, the sacrifice had been made for all sin, that we wouldn't have to endure the punishment for it was, was, it, was everything to him. It's what he modeled his life um, after. It's, it's how he lived his life. And he calls others to live in a manner that is worthy of the same news, the same gospel of Jesus. 
<clears throat> and in verse 27, we're going to go through it verse by verse. It says this. Paul says to the church, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And something that I, I, I recognized when I was reading this passage, that sometimes I, I don't always, is that I recognize that Paul's actually speaking to a church and not necessarily to an individual. When we read the Bible, sometimes we can take it and we can say that, oh yeah, individually this is good for me, but we fail to, to recognize who the author is speaking to. <clears throat> and so Paul here is, is, is um, uh, encouraging this church uh, to hold fast to the faith of the gospel, to hold fast to the good news of Jesus Christ who died and, and saved them from their sins. Uh, to hold fast to that as a church, to come together and strive towards it together. And so obviously that will require the individual um, participation of each person, but it's a communal aspect as well. There's a communal uh, come together and uh, hold fast to the faith that you profess. He continues in verse 28 and he says, um, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. This holding to the faith of Jesus Christ is something that we don't uh, need to be afraid of when, in terms of other people who come against us. Those who, come, who oppose us, um, if we are confident and we're sure in the, saving, in the saving act of Christ, we don't need to be afraid of what the world is going to do to us. <clears throat> and to be a Christian at the time, of, of the Philippian church was to be totally countercultural to the environment that they were in. Um, they were experiencing persecution from the outside, out, from, from those outside the church, and they would continue to experience persecution from those outside the church. And if we read it further in chapter 3, we also see that Paul warns um, the Philippian church about false teachers as well. And so there's these, uh, there's these, um, people that would oppose them in their faith. They would say that that's not true or that they, they would say that uh, what you're doing is unjust or it's, it's totally outrageous. Uh, stop it. And Paul is basically saying, don't be frightened by them. You know, if they kill you in this life, we know that we have eternal security in Christ. There's no reason to be afraid. <clears throat> and furthermore, it says that this faith that uh, wasn't wavering in the sight of opponents was going to be a message to others, both that you, you are saved by God uh, because there's no fear in you, and it would encourage the other believers to, to also uh, share their faith. <clears throat> so after Paul uh, commends the church and tells them that they, that they shouldn't be afraid of those who oppose them, he continues in verses 29 to 30 to recognize that there is some persecution happening. And it says, says this starting in verse 29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggles that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And Paul, he understands that the Philippian church is going through some hardships and some, and some persecution from those outside the church. And, and even in, in chapter 3, as you read, read ahead in Philippians, you'll see that he also warns them about false teachers from within the church. And so they have these opponents that, that are opposing them. They're not supposed to be afraid. They are going through 
through, through tough times. But Paul shows them that through his, through his experience in prison and through his sharing in prison, that there can be joy in hardships. See, Paul, while he's in prison, he's, he's continuing to share uh, the gospel. He's continuing to continue his ministry. And because of it, people in jail are coming to know who Christ is. The guards are coming to know who Christ is. And the people, the Christians that are watching Paul from outside of jail are seeing his faith and they're being encouraged to also start sharing their faith uh, with more exuberance as well. And Paul continu- Paul's real encouragement here is to continue to live life faithfully. Uh, continue to live life worthy to the call that we've been called to in, in Christ. Um, and this is not a new concept. Throughout history, those who have put their faith in God have been called to live lives that match their faith. Uh, here's a few examples. Starting in the Old Testament, uh, we see that God himself uh, makes a covenant with the Hebrews. This is found in Exodus. And so uh, God saves the Hebrews who were slaves from Egypt, and he makes a covenant with them. Uh, he, deci- he says that he will be their God, uh, but he expects something from them in return. He expects them to follow uh, a moral code, that he expects them to live lives that are holy and separated from the rest of the world, to be honoring to him. They, they end up failing repeatedly, and, and God has this system, a sacrificial system, in which they can uh, offer an offering for their sins because they weren't able to keep it perfectly. But God makes this covenant with them that he will be their God, and he expects their lives to, to follow their faith in him. And he sets them apart from the rest of the world, that although they have their enemies on, on, on every side often, um, God is their refuge, and they have nothing to fear because God is above all. Uh, Later on in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, we see three individuals, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are three Hebrew men that were taken captive, and they were brought into a culture that wasn't their own. Uh, They were raised there, and they were expected to follow certain customs, and eventually they were asked to worship a golden image. And they say no. They they they, 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 They said no. They would hold fast to the faith that they had in their one true God. And they refused to fall down and worship a golden idol. They were, because of this, they were threatened by death, and they were not afraid to die for their beliefs. <clears throat> Although they didn't actually die. In the New Testament, we see how Christ sets, sets forth a perfect example for those to follow in his footsteps. Christ perfectly obedient, is perfectly obedient to the will of God, and he lives his life that way. And he sets an example for us to follow. And Christ, and through all of this, also experienced many hardships. He experienced um, um, being slandered, uh, embarrassment, um, his friends abandoning him, torture, and eventually death. In the book of Acts, we read about the apostles who had followed Christ. They began to, to gain popularity in, in Jerusalem as they're preaching. And the priests watching become jealous, and they arrest these apostles. Uh, overnight, they are freed miraculously by angels. And what do they do? They go right back to preaching again. And so the same men take them, uh, try them before the Sanhedrin, and they beat them. And after they've been beaten, the apostles actually rejoice in being able to take part in suffering for Christ. They see it as a tremendous honor to be able to, to suffer for the sake of Christ. In Tabitha, Acts, Acts chapter 9, there's another story of a disciple uh, known in Jop, Joppa for her good works. 
Um, this disciple is known, uh, yeah, she's known for her good works, and she, she ends up dying. And so they summon Peter uh, to come and see to come and see her. And when he, Peter gets there, she, Tabitha is surrounded by widows who are crying and they're holding clothes that she had made for them. And widows back in in that time were were, were very much disadvantaged. They didn't they were they they weren't married, and so they they didn't have a lot of their own things, but. Uh, Joppa was one who took care of them and specifically made clothes for them. It was something that she was good at. And so she faithfully uh, committed her life to living worthy of the of the gospel, of, of what Jesus had done for her. And she sought to extend that same grace towards others. Uh, and Peter ends up bringing her back from the dead, uh, which for her is probably the hardship that she endured. Because if you're dead and, with, and looking forward to being with Christ, why would you want to be brought back to life? But she was, and, and she was able to be with them again. Paul also um, commends himself to over and over again in the scripture, and he he, he asked people to, imit, to imitate him. He's in First Corinthians eleven verses one to two. He says, "Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ." Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions as I delivered them to you. And in Philippians three verses seventeen. He again says, Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. Let us consider Paul and his example in Christ. And Paul, so Paul is, is, is um, bringing this argument to the Philippian church that no matter what, continue to live a life that is faithful uh, to the message that you received from Jesus, of, of Jesus Christ, that he has saved you from your sins, that you are free in him, that you have internal security in him, and live in a way that honors him. And he's, he even offers himself up. He's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to do this thing. You've seen the way that I'm acting. Continue to follow that. <clears throat> and so we've seen how Paul you know, makes this argument to the Philippian church to continue in living a worthy life. And we've seen throughout Scripture that uh, people who follow Christ are... Um, required to live lives that honor him and that through the people who honor him and live lives that are honoring to him um, God God can do a lot of amazing things he can he works and this and although these things happened um, a long time ago and that this flip this letter to the Philippians was written a long time ago this message is still applicable for us today we have the same gospel that the Philippian church had the gospel that Jesus Christ um, was willing to sacrifice himself for the sins of mankind and that we can trust and have security in him. <clears throat> and the same joy that was experienced by Paul in, his, in the middle of his hardships and that he implored the Philippian church to also experience by living a, a life worthy of the gospel of Christ is the same joy that we can experience in living lives that are worthy of Christ. And so what does it look like to live a life that is worthy of Christ? Um, to my students, I often recommend to them that they remember certain events in their life uh, that tie them to their faith. The first one is to remember the day of their salvation, to remember the day where they recognized the sinful nature that, that they had, that the, their inability to pay for the sins that they had committed, and that and Christ's free offer uh, and payment for those sins in his sacrifice. I tell them to remember their baptism, um, the, and the symbology of being put to death with Christ and raised up again with Him. 
And I tell them to partake in communion often, partaking of the, the bread and the wine, which represent the body and blood of Christ, which was spilled for us. And as they consume it, um, and as, we, as we consume it as a church until his coming again, uh, to, to hold fast to what Christ has done for us. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, and to do that together as a church. Um, we do this individually, but also we need to remember to encourage one another as we see each other living lives that are worthy of the gospel. We need to do this as a church. When we see people who are taking care of those who are in need or fulfilling some role that is needed within the church or living a life that honors God very visibly. Uh, but we also need to, and I think a really key thing is to do this as a family. Uh, to recognize when your children live lives that are honoring to God and to commend them for it. Uh, and if there are children watching this today, it's also important that you guys live lives that honor God uh, and to, to be an example for your parents and vice versa. The second thing I, I would say that we need to do in, in living a life that honors God and that is worthy of God is to not fear those who oppose you. Um, Paul told the Philippian church that hold, hold fast to your faith and security and knowledge of who Christ is and what he's done for you. And don't fear those who oppose you in that. Remember that God ultimately is greater than any, any opponent that we have. He ultimately he conquered sin and so our eternity is secured. We have nothing to fear. We are completely secure in him. And so when a lot of things come up in our world today, where whether it's ideologies that are worrisome, um, made by men or like certain movements that claim to have a certain uh, moral ethic that you must be a, a part of or when governments pass certain laws or they or they take certain laws away that ultimately those things are not things that we need to worry about entirely um, ultimately God is our security and ultimately we we need to live lives that honor him regardless of whether the government makes a law or whether a certain group of people think a certain way. We're called to be separate. We're called to be different. And the church that was around in Rome, the Philippian church, lived totally countercultural lives to what they were surrounded by. And in the same way, we should also not be afraid to live counterculturally. We don't need to jump on every bandwagon that comes across our social media feed or, or every uh, thought that someone makes up. Ultimately, we live and we breathe and we strive to live for, for Christ, who paid everything and, and whom we have security. <clears throat> to give you an example of how countercultural the early church was, after Paul had died and after some years after the letter was written, the church in Rome, in Rome sorry, continued to grow and expand uh, exponentially. It began to take over. And there are many different reasons that have been attributed to this growth. But something that was re that's really important to note is that how countercultural this group of Christians were. They were, first of all, dedicated to Christ. They had taken, well, maybe the Philippian church hopefully had taken Paul's uh, advice to, to stay true to the faith, but the early Christian church, uh, one of their qualities was that they were committed to Christ. And this was exemplified and shown by their care for one another. In one of the letters written by Julian, the emperor of, of Rome, he writes with some disdain of how well the Jews are, t or sorry, not the Jews, the Christians are taking care of one another. And he writes this, he says, For it is disgraceful when no Jew is a beggar, and the impious Galileans, the name that he used for Christians, 
support our poor in addition to their own. Julian the emperor was outraged that um, the Christians were taking such good care of themselves that they were actually also able to start taking care of Rome's citizens, the, the poor that Rome had. And he found, he found it distasteful. He couldn't, understand, he couldn't wrap his head around what these Christians were doing. Another um, sad thing that happened in Rome was the act of infanticide. Infanticide was the act of basically, it's like it sounds, killing, killing babies. In Rome, women or small girls, <clears throat> I should say baby girls, were not valued as highly as men. And so oftentimes um, when they decided that they did not want to, ha to keep, the, to keep the, the small child, they would get rid of it on a refuse pile and let them, uh, let them die there. It's also happened with males, but more often it happened with males when there was ge genetic deformities or undesirable qualities of the, of the child. And the Christians of the early church were known for climbing through the refuse piles and collecting these children. They would either take care of them until, they, until their death or they would raise them as their own. <clears throat> but the early church exemplified their dedication and their worthy living to Christ by the way they cared for one another and the way that they looked after those who were on the outcast, the out, or cared for the outcasts and those who were vulnerable. All levels of society were welcome within Christianity. Looking back at the, this, this early Christian church, I think it's really encouraging um, as we see the way that they were committed to living lifestyles that were contrary to the government and the, the culture that they lived in. They weren't so concerned about, um, yeah, being socially accepted as they were about following Christ. And so like these early Christians, um, I think it's important that we commit ourselves to Christ as well, living worthy lives. And when the world condemns us for it, we don't need to fear. God is ultimately bigger and has us. We don't need to worry about that. <clears throat> One thing that we can expect as we continue to submit ourselves to Christ through daily living, and which is often contrary to the culture, we we can ex expect to face persecution for the sake of Christ. And Paul, in his exhortation to the Philippians, um, adds it on almost as a sense of an honor. And as we heard in the story prior, uh, the apostles who were beaten for their, for their preaching of Christ counted it as an honor as well. <clears throat> uh, Paul saw the suffering for Christ as a gift. And so did, the, and so did those apostles something that could be used to encourage other believers to spread the gospel, or that did, encourage, sorry, that did encourage other believers to spread the gospel. And for those who did not believe, uh, convicted them. Why do these Christians believe so solidly what they believe, um, even though they're being persecuted? It caused people to think about it. <clears throat> Paul wrote his letter to the Philippian church in a sense of joy. He was joyful that though he was experiencing hardship, people were coming to know Christ. Um, and he wanted the Philippian church to share in that joy. And to see that in living a life worthy of the gospel, that joy could be experienced by them as well, despite their hardships. And so I think there are some real key takeaways uh, when we think about joy in living a worthy life. As we live worthy lives, may we experience joy that our lives in our, through our lives, Christ is exalted. 
that through our lives, Christ is exalted. May we experience joy in, as we live lives that are worthy of Christ, that we have security in the present time and space, that the safety of the safety and security of Christ's salvation. Our bodies may be injured. Uh, we may have hurt. We, our feelings may be, be hurt. Uh, we may experience uh, real legitimate hardships here on earth. But ultimately, we can have peace in knowing that, that we are safe, that we, that we are covered by, by Christ's blood uh, and his sacrifice for our sins. As we seek to live worthy lives, we can take joy in suffering for the sake of Christ. Both so that people who witness it can be encouraged, but also that unbelievers may be convinced of the, of the truth. As it said in uh, Philippians, let me get back there. It says Philippians 1 verse 28, or it says, Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. <clears throat> and finally, as we, as we seek to live lives that are worthy of the gospel of Christ, may there be joy in looking forward to the day when we are again reunited with Christ. I'll end today's uh, sermon with a passage in Hebrews 12, verse 2, where it talks about Jesus who endured hardships, but did it for the sake of joy. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, Lord, who you are. That you desired in your mercy to, to save um, a people that were rebellious to you um, in the earth as mankind. Lord, that you gave up your only son to die on the cross, to live a life, to experience hardships so that people could come to know you. Lord, as we seek to live lives that are honoring to you and that are worthy of you, Lord, we just pray that you would um, fill us up with your spirit. Would you help us to endure uh, the hardships that we may face for your sake, Lord, uh, knowing that it exalts and honors and glorifies you. 